With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament, and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time right here on today's News Talk TNT Radio. It is Tuesday, the 21st of November, 2023. And where's the time going? It feels like September and October just melted away. And now we're just 31 days away from this year's winter solstice. Well, winter here in the UK, because on Friday, the 22nd of December, it will mark the winter solstice here in the UK and with it the shortest day of the year. Well, down under in Oz, well, you guys will be marking the longest day of the year. Bring it on is what I say, as once we get the festivities out of the way, I'll be counting down the days until spring, which is my second favourite time um, of the year after summer. Right now, I've got some fantastic guests lined up for you on the Freeman Report this week. Um, Tomorrow, I'll be joined by the fabulous June Slater for our weekly show together. And then on Thursday, I'll be welcoming back Doc Malik to the Freeman Report. Um, Dr. Ahmed Malik has been on a bit of a journey recently after coming under attack from the GMC. That's the General Medical Council here in the UK for being outspoken on a range of issues, including the vaccines. So we'll be discussing all of this and other topics with the doc here on Thursday. Then on Friday, I've definitely got my fingers crossed as I'm now in contact with Kelly James' team. That's AKA the Posey Parker. Um, She's agreed to appear on the show. So now it's just a question of when. And I see that Louise Distras has been speaking with Kelly Jane at public events um, over the past week. If you remember, Louise was on the show last week talking about being cancelled by the music industry for speaking up on women's rights against an onslaught of attacks against her from trans activists, including one that tracked down where she lives and turned up her house. There's a police investigation ongoing. And I have to say that I'm absolutely stoked about Kelly J. I've been chasing her for a long time now. Um, She's done as much as anybody globally to push back against the attack on women's rights that we're seeing across the world um, from trans activists. For me, having her on the show will be the highlight of many amazing discussions I've had on this topic on the Freeman Report. And if you've missed any of my interviews on this topic, then please get yourself over to tntradio.live and look under episodes. And there you'll find interviews with Louise Distras, um, Chris Elston, aka Billboard Chris, Martha Schultz from Partners for Ethical Care in the US, um, Tiffany Justice from Mums for Liberty, again out of the US, Emma Hardy here in the UK, who is suing David Lloyd Gyms for allowing trans women into the gyms changing rooms, Alex The gender mapper from Israel, who maps all of the gender clinics across the US and other places around the world. The director of Transgender Trend, Stephanie Davies Arai, and many, many others. I'll keep you in the loop regarding when Kelly J will be appearing, so make sure you tune in tomorrow when I should hopefully know. Right, so today... You've also got me for two hours as I'm also filling in for Jeremy Neal. So 
Um, first up in the first hour of today's show, we'll be talking about the pandemic of chronic disease that we're witnessing in the Western world at the moment. We will also just be discussing how food is used to control us and also the real environmental catastrophe looming over us, which is definitely under our feet and not in the air around us. Um, for all of this, I'll be talking with diet coach and author Ben Hunt. Then in the latter segment of the first hour, I'll be discussing Sadiq Khan and his Ulez lies um, with my old colleague at the Office for National Statistics, Jamie Jenkins. And I'm sure Jamie will also have something to say about Mark Drakeford, the Welsh First Minister here in the UK, who misled the Welsh Parliament, um, which is a nice way, really, of saying he said he told a barefaced lie um, to the chamber in the last week. Then in the second hour, I'll be discussing a few different stories with the fabulous Gemma Cooper, the trooper, followed by an interview with Stan from Voice of Wales, who'll be telling us some exciting news. Um, he's just been picked as the official UKIP candidate for the general election um, for the area of Clanethley in Wales, which, of course, was the location of Straddy Park um, and the protest there that successfully saw off the Home Office plans to place hundreds of undocumented illegal migrants in the town. Very, very inappropriate. Me and Gemma um, went and visited the site. Um, you know, lovely community there. And it, it, when you actually go there and you see that it's right in the middle of a housing state, you realise how inappropriate the, the plans were in the first place. In terms of the news today, I see that the UK's COVID inquiry is still a waste of time and money. And reading between the lines, it seems that it is doing exactly what many of us feared it would do, which is to create a narrative that our politicians just don't understand the statistics and the decisions in front of them, with the implicit conclusion being that we need a higher authority to manage future pandemics. Now, I used to be a statistician, and one of the most important criteria for the dissemination of statistics is making the information accessible to non-statisticians, i.e. breaking down clearly what the data does and does not say. I simply do not buy the argument that the decisions presented to leaders were too complicated for politicians, even though they were pretty low-grade politicians. Um, I still don't think it's too complicated and beyond them. Many of us simpletons like me called it right, and there was a whole army of world-leading experts that were deliberately ignored, like Professor Jay Bhattachari of Stanford University, Martin Koldorf of Harvard University, Sukarit Bhakti, um, and a whole host of other experts that were just ignored. Um, they were ignored, but not just ignored, they were cancelled and censored. And for me, this is the lesson that should be coming out of the inquiry that advice about decisions should have been sought from a whole host of voices and not just a small, narrow pocket of biased and controlled scientists who made all of the wrong calls on masks, lockdowns, vaccine passports and mandates, and of course, the vaccines themselves. But no, the inquiry is simply setting up the narrative to conclude that we need a body like the World Health Organization to control things to stop mistakes happening again in the future. Now, the WHO, of course, is two thirds funded by private entities, so-called NGOs and other organizations, with many of them having direct links 
with the same entities that stand to gain from the promotion of certain drugs, so-called vaccines and other interests served by the medical industrial complex. And on top of these visible conflicts of interest, it's clear that the advice that the WHO published during the pandemic was just as damaging as the decisions taken by our governments. So no, we don't need the WHO to be given control of future pandemics. Um, you know, by a pandemic treaty is what they're planning and changes to the international health regulations next year. No, what we need is for governments to listen to advice from a much wider section of the scientific community instead of the narrow section of voices they surrounded themselves with. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you already know this, but this is going to be a big fight next year that we need to have when governments are due to agree the new WHO treaty. It will likely be the most important pri priority next year for anybody who believes in individual freedoms, although who knows, in this crazy upside down world that we now find ourselves in. If you want to get in touch about any of the topics on the show or to suggest guests, then please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And as always, if you want to join in with the chat, ask questions to our guests, then just head over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hiya, Gemma. How you doing? Yes, very well. Thank you, uh, James. I don't know if you heard earlier, but there's a talk of a, a potential truce, a, a ceasefire between uh, Hamas and Israel. And that, that's good news on a Tuesday, I think. It's just the terms and the negotiating that's going on now to, uh, to maybe exchange the Israeli hostages in, in, in return for some aid being brought in uh, and the fine detail. But I mean, it is good news that that's the possibility of a, a ceasefire is on the table, at least after the images of horror we've seen coming out of uh, that part of the world. So yeah, good news. Yes, although, you know, like all things in this conflict, I will wait until that actually happens. Um, all it takes is a, another bullet um, fired in the wrong direction. And I think the whole thing will crumble because I don't feel or I don't sense rather that Israel actually wants this ceasefire. I think it's actually being um, strong armed into it because of the scenes that we're seeing coming out of the Middle East. And also, you know, the protests we're seeing around the world, um, you know, and also the death count. You know, you've got thousands of innocent children that have been killed now. So I won't hold my breath for that to actually happen. But, yeah, it's good news that we're heading in the right direction. Mm, absolutely. And especially after, you know, you've just discussed there the chaos of the COVID inquiry. I mean, use that term very lightly. And Lemba Opek and I on the UK TNT Breakfast Show were um, talking about the inquiry because you can't you can't ignore it. But then you look at it and you think, oh, my goodness me, like you say, it's so obviously uh painting a picture of chaos and dysfunction to make us roll our eyes in disgust and say, well, we need somebody else to look after us in the face of something else happening globally. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting that the um, chief scientific advisor gave evidence yesterday. He'd managed to keep a diary, like a dear diary, all the way through the pandemic. And it really does read, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but didn't hear earlier it reads like the the diary of a spiteful 16 year old schoolgirl. you know i don't like him and i don't like them and the prime minister's awful and it's like really kind of base level ego driven narcissism actually it really is of just shifting the blame uh, apportioning blame um you know and the real questions 
the real journalistic questions of like, well, why did you all break lockdown? You know, the answer being, you know, you really clearly mm. didn't think it was dangerous. None of you thought it was dangerous. You were off doing here, there and everywhere. All the government were, um, you know, second most important civil servant in the country has given evidence over the last few weeks saying there wasn't a day that went by that people in Whitehall didn't break the rules because obviously the inference being they clearly knew it wasn't dangerous because if you thought for one second it was you wouldn't have behaved like that. So those are the questions that needed to be asked, aren't they? And the PCR test, the manipulation of data, none of that's being asked. It's just a huge kind of tantrum for everybody involved that's being dragged in to give evidence. And uh, Chris Whitty, actually the chief medical officer, he's he's just been called to give evidence this morning. So interesting to see what he comes out with because the whole thing, it's just, it would be funny if it wasn't so tragic for the rest of us and what they did to us, which we will never forget. And some people are still living with, you know, vaccine damage. Well, I think we're all living with it. We're certainly all paying for it. Um, you know, it's the reason we've got the highest taxes in 70 years. Um, the reason why interest rates are so high because of all the inflation that was created through the additional printing of money after all of the money they printed after the 2008 crash. Um, like I said in my introduction, though, my worry is this is all being painted as um, those stupid politicians you know, those irresponsible politicians, they didn't understand the statistics. Um, they were, you know, irresponsible in terms of not following the rules. So, you know, us scientists, we knew what we should have done. And and I think I was reading in the papers this morning that um, Valance, um, the, in, in, the sort of implicit thing in his messaging is that we should have locked down earlier, which is just bonkers because, you know, the government still hasn't done a cost-benefit analysis of the lockdowns we still don't know um well we the public don't know i'm sure that politicians have got a good idea um certainly the ones in government but we don't know as the public what the costs were what the true costs were both um financial socially um you know the the damage that was done to our kids there's loads of kids that are still just missing off the system now um you know there's lots of kids that have got um anxieties about stuff you know, whether that's germs or, or you know, or the other ones that didn't develop um, as they should have through important developmental stages. Um, and then the rest of us, you know, it really has shaken society. And when you look at some of the things that are happening in the news today, and, and I question quite often why, why the general public isn't marching en masse um, to our parliament in London, it's because they're just, I think, still spun out and, and just a bit shocked by what's happened over the past three years, I think that, you know, the things which would have been huge news 10 years ago and people would have just been the, you know, what the hell? No, that we can't do that. That That's not right. You know, all that kind of stuff now just seems to be the norm. It's been made the norm by the, the ridiculous things which have happened over the past three years. So, yeah, all of us are paying a very, very high price. It's just become normal now, Gemma. And I think, you know, that that that's part of the problem. It, it is part of the problem. And there's another story that I've just looked at before um, coming on air with you today is that, um, you know, if there's any doubt that they hold us in utter contempt, um, the, the, the government's autumn statement is due out today. Uh, and Rishi Sunak is announcing that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people with severe mobility issues and mental health problems will have their benefits cut 
um, unless they find work that they can do from home. Now, working from home is very isolating. Working from home, if you haven't got anyone to talk to about problems, say technical problems, or you want need some advice, it's very hard to get. And these are people right at the bottom of the food chain. There are some of, well, I know there are people that do fiddle the welfare system, but we're, he's gone for the most vulnerable. You know, hundreds of thousands of people who currently are exempt from looking for work because they're unable to walk more than 50 meters, they come under the limited capacity to work um, definition and they're exempt. Well, they're expected to remove that caveat. So if you can only walk 50 meters, well, that's fine. You're completely fit and able. You can get a job, work from home. Don't worry about your mental health issues, your anxiety, your depression, the fact you feel isolated. We need you back in the system, paying your taxes like a good little free range slave on a tax farm. That's all we are to them. That's all we are. We're to be controlled, monitored, surveyed, injected, uh, put in the work system, even though you might be severely unfit for work. It is all about the system. And that's what this 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 inquiry if it's steering us a certain way, it's for the system's benefits, never for ours, never. And I would say that it's actually more than that as well, um, Gemma, um, because obviously we've got an election coming up next year. And I think this is the, the Conservatives trying to talk to their base. Um, it always goes down well, it always has in the past, you know, to to um, pick on on those who are clearly fiddling the system, you know, those layabout lazy people, the poor. Um, that usually goes down quite well. But it it is pretty disgusting, really, um, especially in today's world where we've got a record number of billionaires in the UK. We've got big multinational um, companies that are not paying their fair share of taxes. Um, and yet, you know, the Tories are attacking them because they're just easy prey, aren't they? They can't fight back. They haven't got a voice. Um, the other thing that makes me laugh as well, and I'm going to talk about this in my editorial in the second half um, of the show, the second hour rather, is this 16.9 billion that the um the chancellor jeremy hunt has um just found <laughs> down the back of the sofa um it's just ridiculous they treat us like fools because all of the money that the government spend is borrowed money it's borrowed um against us paying it back as taxpayers right so how can you find an additional 16.9 billion you know down the back of the sofa but of course it's election time so they really do treat us by like fools, you know. They're they're talking about tax cuts now, um, and also, you know, we're gonna we're gonna attack those those nasty poor people that are taking all of your money. It goes back to that joke that I told last week on the show, where you've got the Daily Mail reader, the jobless person, and the banker. Um, you know, there's ten pounds in the middle of the table. The banker takes nine and tells the Daily Mail reader that the jobless person is going to steal their pound, and that's how mm. this trick works. Well, well said. Well said. I mean, to be continued, I know we need to go to the break now, but yeah, that, that, you've got it in a nutshell. It's The story ain't going yeah. away. That's how they treat us. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, um, we won't be, well, we will be speaking tomorrow, but we'll also be speaking in an hour's time because you've got me for two hours today. So um, I'll um, speak with you in, in not too long a time. Um, thank you very much, Gemma. And to the rest of you, don't go anywhere because after this short break, we'll be talking all about nutrition, health, um, and how food is used to control us, um, resulting in chronic diseases. And also we'll be talking about the true um, catastrophe, which actually is looming, which is under our feet and not in the air. I'll be speaking with um, author Ben Hunt all about that in a moment. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. 
TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. I don't know if you're aware of the so-called protests that took place at the gates of the White House, where uh, red paint, supposed to be blood, was uh, thrown at the uh, gates. The gates were being um, grabbed and, and shaken back and forth. Uh, you had F Israel painted on uh, on the wall of a building. You had a statue in Lafayette Park defaced. You also had chants of F Joe Biden. And yet, with all that, and I think of January 6th, and there were some people who deserved to be arrested, certainly on January 6th, but they're still going after people who simply walked into that building and did nothing. Uh, and yet you had one person arrested during that whole episode that I just described in Washington, D.C., at the gates of the White House and in Lafayette Park over the weekend, Saturday. It sounds pretty incredible. The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. You are about to to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. Right, as we keep on saying on TNT Radio, health does not come in a pill or a needle. Um, It is very much about how you live your life, the food that you put into it, and also, you know, how you treat yourself. If you end up stressed out all the time, you're not going to be very healthy. Um, So I'm delighted to welcome my next guest. We're going to talk all about this and many other topics as well. Um, Welcome to the Freeman Report, Ben Hunt. Hello. Hi, James. Thanks for having me on, mate. No, thank you for coming on the show. This is an incredibly important topic. I have had guests on to talk about it in the past, but I think you come at it definitely from a unique perspective in terms of the chronic illnesses that we're seeing, and I know we're going to Mm -hmm. cover that. Um, But before we dive into the detail, um, Ben, um, I do get all of my guests to do this, just to find out a little bit more about you, um, what your motivations are, how you ended up doing what you're doing. Um, So far, far away, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am supremely unqualified to be on your show, James, I have to say. Um, I, was, <laughs> I, I, I went through public school, came out age 16, a, a, a foaming lefty. <clears throat> I, then, uh, I then got into uh, born-again Christianity, joined a cult when I was around 20 years old and came out um, a foaming greenie. I, I, I say in my talks that my, my first email address was ecofreakuk at Hotmail. And um, I then went on to join Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party when Corbyn got in. So, in fact, I've got lots of parallels to uh, to Martin Geddes, who, who you may also know, also a friend of the the Buxton Freedom Hub that that, that we both know. 
he also joined Corbyn's Corbyn's Labour, and and he's been branded a right wing conspiracy theorist and everything else. So yeah, my qualifications aren't there. But what happened is that um, about twelve years ago, my wife and I moved into this big house, and we got uh, with a large garden. We started keeping chickens and ducks, and I got really into no dig gardening, and I designed and built my own greenhouse. And because like like most rational thinking people at the time, I was convinced in the uh, dangers of climate change. And I became fascinated with the possibility of um, how could we suck all this evil CO2 out of the air in, in the form of building soil. So I, 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 I'm, I'm like that. I, I grab onto something and I don't let go. So I started going to conferences about soil and ethical farming and regenerative agriculture to learn more about about the health of the soil. And while I was there, I started hearing some very strange things. And people were talking about the importance of having ruminant animals on the land to, to build soil, to keep the land healthy. And then also people were talking about the importance of ruminant animals and their meat for our health. And that, that was odd to me. I'd spent a few years vegetarian, like a lot of people have. And I started looking into that as well and um, came across a group of people, a growing group of people, it seemed, who ate nothing but meat and seemed to be doing okay. So uh, I, I literally got my teeth stuck into that as well. Um, started working with with my, my current business partner, Phil Escott, who, uh, who basically healed himself from crippling psoriatic arthritis uh, over 10 years ago. And by just eliminating one thing at a time from his diet until all the plants were gone. And he, he'd been like 30 year vegetarian and vegan as well. So, um, that's what we do now. Now we, we, we coach people. We write books. We literally just launched a book at the weekend called the red pill food revolution that uh, plots the history of humanity and our relationship to food over the, over the millennia and also how a small minority of humans have actually used food as just one of the weapons that they use to control and curtail the rights of the rest of us. Mm. So that's why I'm here. I think I, th I think you're downplaying yourself a bit there, Ben, because, you know, bits of paper, I think, you know, if we didn't know it already, we've done, definitely learned it over the last three years, that bits of paper and letters after your name um, you might be called an expert, but it doesn't make you right. So if you've got a passion for something and you, you know, you really sort of um, dive in and you learn yourself, you can become more of an expert than the so-called experts. So no, you're more than qualified to come on this show, Ben. Um, right, Ben, let's talk about chronic disease because, you know, we've been hearing for many years now, whether it's diabetes, whether it's high cholesterol, heart problems, strokes, all of these kind of illnesses that seem to be coming endemic in our society um we're told the solution are pills and injections now um what's your kind of take on all of this well chronic disease never really used to exist uh, we we know this and um so what we mean by chronic is it, it happens over time right it, it arrives over time it lingers over time it kills you slowly not quickly as it goes as opposed to a an acute injury or an acute illness or or an acute infection um so we we look at um, the fossil record from our paleolithic ancestors and and uh, an anthropologist can look at a hunter-gatherer and say that's a hunter-gatherer that's a farmer and we only started 
farming and getting the majority of our calories and, and nutrition from plants in the last few thousand years. It started around 10,000 years ago in the, the Fertile Crescent, kind of the eastern side of the Mediterranean. And it only reached the UK actually 2,000 years ago. You know, Julius Caesar wrote about the arrival of agriculture from the Netherlands to the UK 2,000 years ago. Scotland have had agriculture for 1,500 years. So this is a very, very new experiment that we've been doing, and it's absolutely failing. Because <clears throat> we know that um, you know, very old human remains, they just don't have signs of arthritis and uh, heart disease and all these kinds of things. The one exception is the ancient Egyptians who basically invented heart disease and then left behind loads of human remains that we could then scan and analyze. But they were a very long-lived civilization. They actually lasted for three and a half thousand years, as opposed to the normal 500 to 1,000, which we might get onto. Um, and the reason is because they get fresh soil washed down from the Ethiopian plateau when the, the Nile floods every year. So um, every other civilization before them it actually destroyed itself by destroying its soil. Um, but they were an agricultural civilization for three and a half thousand years. They they grew wheat, they pressed seeds from like flax and sesame, and they brewed beer and um, they invented heart disease. And uh, heart disease, uh, atherosclerosis in ancient Egypt was at the same level as it is now in modern Egypt, which is bizarre. Yeah, and so of course, it's, it's, you chronic know, disease is a very new thing. But but I, I have to say one thing: high cholesterol is not an issue. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, yeah. Doctor Asim Holtra, actually, I've got his book on my shelf up here. Um, you know, it's largely been used to sell um, statins, hasn't it? Um, you know, there's millions of people in the UK on statins, which I think the research now shows actually doesn't, it might reduce cholesterol, but it doesn't actually reduce um, heart um, attacks and incidents. Um, right, we're going to take a quick break now um, for the news headlines, um, Ben. Um, when we come back, because um, I don't think anyone will disagree with what you've just said, you know, these ultra processed foods and everything, things just seem to be getting worse. And I think there's not many people who would argue against you that food isn't at the base of a lot of the problems that we have in society with these chronic illnesses. So what I'd like to talk to uh, you a little bit about is how actually food has been used to control us, because, of course, um, you know, the same interests financial interests um that are selling us all this food which essentially is poison to our bodies also then sell us the remedies and all the pills and the needles um to put it right so i do agree with you that um food has been used to be controlled to control us but i'd love to hear your take on this after this short break so don't go anywhere stick with me james freeman on tnt radio <laughs> Big news. Big news. Big news. The biggest breaking news story. Holy crap. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Incredible footage has emerged of Iranian-backed militants hijacking a British-owned cargo ship in the Red Sea, which they say has links to Israel. Russian President Vladimir Putin was due to join an emergency video conference with BRICS leaders on Tuesday to discuss the ongoing war in Gaza. And former US President Donald Trump's suing 20 different media companies for $1.5 billion, accusing them of defaming his social media site. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Right. Now, Ben, um, you won't be aware, but we've actually got a live chat that joins in the show. 
Um, we've got Jock Herrera there. We've got Bloden, all the usual suspects. Um, bit of a, a mixed bag in terms of some people saying, well done, Ben. Um, Madrid saying meet every day. Um, Bloden saying and meet every day, M-E-E-T. Um, but um, Jock, Jock Herrera's got a slightly different um, um, outlook. He says meet only advocates are latent psychopaths. Um, okay, Jock, um, I think you're actually in a minority there amongst the live chat. But um, as always, thank you for everyone engaging. Um, right now, Ben, um, food and how it's been used to control us. What's your thoughts on this? Well, we talk about this at length in, in the Red Pill Food Revolution. It actually started uh, with the advent of agriculture. So be before then, that humans were limited in range and in, in kind of concentration to about one human being per square mile. We, we walked the earth, we lived in complete harmony with the seasons, the plants, the animals, and we followed the herds and, um, and, and that was it. And we, we knew that everything that we ever needed, we could go out into the natural world and we could find it and we could do it for ourselves. Now, all, all of that changed when the last ice age ended and the megafauna disappeared and we started uh, cultivating certain, just a very few species of plants that we could eat and started getting 90% of our calories there from, from plants. But one of the biggest things it, it seemed to us uh, when we were going through the, the process of writing the book was the difference that it made to our relationship to the earth. Because we always used to belong on the earth, but when we started farming, because you have to put a lot of effort into farming. You have to, you have to clear all, all the boulders. You have to rip up trees and rip up hedges and stuff like that and, and clear this land of any species that wants to be there other than the one that you want to grow. So you've put a lot of effort into that land and that then led to law. And that then led to this, this imaginary idea that that land, that bit of land there, because I've put that work into that now belongs to me. Right. And then whoever owns the land, has the right literally to reap the rewards from the land and then then we get a, a kind of a class system emerge where some people like in marxist terms that can control the means of production they they the ones who own the land they own the, the produce of the land and they then have start to have power over other people which we never used to do and that basically um and because you get so many more calories from from crops than you can from hunting um human population started to grow we started to live in in much bigger villages and the tribes disappeared and then city states and everything else and what that actually then allowed is the um the the tiny minority of psychopaths then to start climbing the ladder and to get control of, over other people until what we have today which we then had like in the last 200 years the industrial industrialization of food which um, has been absolutely catastrophic for human health. Um, but yeah, the, the, the majority of food today, what we think of as food, I mean, we, we get the national dietary guidelines, which are complete nonsense anyway, but the majority of what people actually eat is what you mentioned, the ultra processed food that comes from corn and wheat and soy and sugar and seed oils. It's got almost no nutrition in it, and it's actually designed to be addictive and it's designed not to nourish us because real food should satisfy and nourish the human body. This stuff that we get out of packets in the supermarket just doesn't do that. And so we are, we are getting really, really sick. The, 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 uh, the chronic diseases are absolutely exploding. The first recorded heart attack in the United States um, from autopsy wasn't on record until the 1910s. 
right? There, there literally were no heart attacks. The ancient Egyptians had heart attacks, but they disappeared until we came back to uh, eating these seed oils and stuff like that. Diabetes is going through the roof. Obesity is going through the roof. Alzheimer's, everything else, they're absolutely going off the charts. And um, this is not the top headline, you know, where everyone's arguing about climate change and, uh, and pronouns instead. So it's designed to make us sick and it's designed to make us addicted as well. And if you don't believe me, try giving up like sugar and and wheat for two weeks and see what happens to you. I agree with you 100% there, Ben. And of course, you know, I think a lot of the food, while it's so-called food, really it's edible substances, I think is what we should call it. um, Yeah, it's it's not recreational drugs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right now, Ben, um, I can see that you're very knowledgeable. I am going to have to get you back on the show at some point to to d- dig into one of these areas because obviously we're covering three areas today in a bit more detail. Um, but I do want to um, talk to you a little bit about the the real emergency that you believe um, is afoot with us. And it's not in the air, is it? It's actually under our feet. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we're being told that there's there's too much carbon dioxide and uh, that it's going to warm the 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 world too much and it's going to cause a danger to human life. Again, it's absolute it's absolute nonsense. It's just black magic what they're telling us it's a spell cast over us. It was 1 degree warmer than it is now 2000 years ago when the Romans were in charge, right? It was 2 degrees warmer than it is now in the time of the ancient Egyptians. It has been warmer than it is now for about 90% of the entire Holocene period, the last 10,000 years. And during that time, humanity has flourished. We've had multiple large civilizations. And um, we, we, in the very, very long term, we're actually in, in a temperature minimum. So, and, and what's more, the more CO2 there is in the air, the more plants are growing. The world is getting greener. That is an absolute fact. You, know, you can see NASA satellite pictures that show the world has gotten a lot greener over the last 30 years. Um, but the, yeah, the real problem is that we're running out of topsoil. And this is what nobody mm. is talking about. Um, there's a great book called Dirt, the Erosion of Civilizations from a guy called David Montgomery, who's a geologist. And he, he actually discovered that every large, every great civilization before this one, every single one eradicated itself because of plowing, because they, they slice through the topsoil and it appears to create kind of short-term fertility but in the long term it kills the soil it reduces it to dirt and that's why the roman empire disappeared after just over 500 years the ancient greeks the phoenicians the mesopotamian and every single one including the ancient egyptians um wiped itself out because it couldn't they couldn't feed themselves anymore the romans used to grow most of their olives and their grains in the region of north africa that we now call the sahara desert that's where most of their food came from for that empire and now it's just desert um, so, and that's what's happening. And now we've got these giant machines, is satellite controlled plows and, and combines that are just getting whatever they can that's left in the soil to make these very, very cheap crops. We're, we're spending less than ever before on our food, less than ever before. Um, in, in 1900, Amer- American households spent more than half of their household income on food. And now it's around 7%. So we, we're accustomed to these cheap food-like drugs that are not only killing us, yeah. but it, it's killing Mother Earth as well. And depending on who you listen to, we've got between 50 and 100 years left before it's all gone. And there's going to be no more crops. So we need to find other solutions. And that's what the and regenerative. Make... Yeah. Yeah. 
and it, it does make a mockery doesn't it of of the media and and also the corporations because you know i've had people on from river action uk um on the show here where we've talked about the fact that you know tesco's and these other big supermarkets they've got you go to their website and it's all green policies and we do this and we're saving the environment and you know we're taking co2 out and all this and then you look what they're doing in terms of funding um, chicken farms along the side of rivers, which are literally killing our rivers um, in the UK in, in in certain parts of the country, and you just think this is just bonkers. They're, they're you know everything seems to be about CO two. It doesn't make any sense. And behind the scenes, while they're telling us that that is the real emergency, there's all these other problems which they're creating, which they really don't care about. Which I think does just highlight the duplicity of our corporations that seem to be running things these days. Ben, sadly, we have run out of time, but listen, I hope you'll agree to come back on um, because I would like to dig deeper into some of the topics we talked about today. We've covered quite a lot. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, Ben Hunt, thank you very much, Ben. And by the way, Ben, where do people go to um, buy your book or find out more about the things you write about? Yeah, so to, to get the book, we, we run a 90-day food challenge at thebigfatchallenge.com and you can get the book from thebigfatchallenge.com slash book. James, it's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Ben. Right. Okay. To the rest of you, I've got another guest. So I've got my old colleague from the Office for National Statistics, Jamie Jenkins. We're going to be talking all about Sadiq Khan and his ULES lies, but also Mark Drakeford, the First Minister in Wales. He's been lying in Parliament too. So all of that after this short break. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman for TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Who says legislation isn't a contact sport? We nearly came to blows today in the United States Senate as Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma squared off against Sean Butterbean O'Brien, the general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. O'Brien had been very critical of Mullen on X, tweeting, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. Mark Wayne Mullen read that tweet and said, here is a place, not now is a time you want to go? And Butterbean said, let's go. Cooler heads like Bernie Sanders intervened. They weren't going to come to blows anyway. This wasn't quite the caning of abolitionist Republican Senator Charles Sumner by pro-slavery. They weren't going to come to blows anyway. This wasn't quite the caning of abolitionist Republican Senator Charles Sumner by pro-slavery Democrat Senator Preston Brooks of South Carolina in 1856, but it was good to see a Republican show a little spine, show a little enthusiasm for his position. Now, if we can only get Mark Wayne as focused on election integrity efforts and on budgetary issues as he is on posts on X. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. James Freeman on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
Right. Okay. So um, Jamie has been on the show many times before. Um, so I'm sure you all know who Jamie is. He was um, head of health analysis at the Office for National Statistics when I was there. He's a good friend of mine. Um, hello, Jamie. How are you doing? Yeah. Good morning, James, in the UK. Um, good to see you all live on the video. I, I, I was just wondering if it's a bit cold where you are in your studio because you've got one of these uh, scarves on. <laughs> Well, uh, it's instead of when I, I, I can't wear a, a shirt and tie. I just I, I've promised myself I'll never, ever do that again. So it's just a fancy kind of tie, really. That's what it is. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So I think there's plenty to talk about today. All statements coming up in the United Kingdom this week. We've got highest tax burden since the Second World War, partly because we've got to pay back some of the dish, you know, all the money that Rishi was dishing out during the pandemic. Uh, an election probably in the next 12 months, James. So what are we getting? Probably an election bribe in the autumn statement this year where they're going to cut some of the tax. And, you know, it's, th people can see through what it is. I always think politicians follow them for in the first couple of years that they're elected, not the last couple of years. And this tax cuts that they're going to do is pretty much just a bribe, I think. Yeah, and obviously, you, you know, you were head of health analysis, but you also um, did the um, the unemployment stats. So you do understand the national accounts quite a bit. So you understand kind of how the economy works. Um, isn't it a bit disingenuous to say when you, you know, all of the money that government gets is borrowed money, essentially, to then say, oh, look, we found nearly 17 billion down the back of the sofa. Oh, no, no, totally. Um, the thing you've got to remember when, when it comes to government money is, is a famous saying that Margaret Thatcher says, it's not government money, it's our money at the end of the day. And it's just a mismanagement of the public finances over the last four, five, six years under the current prime minister when he was chancellor and the Jeremy Hunt. And, and, and you know, James, it's, it's a catastrophe with how the public finances are being managed. And it's not, I suppose, just the latest Conservative government. You've had this in the past when you had Osborne and Cameron in that period, then you had Hammond and May in that period, and then you can go back to Blair and Brown. Successive governments have just been spending without their means for a while. You've got taxes going up now because you've got this massive debt that we've got to pay back. The COVID dish, you know, the handing up money was absolutely bonkers. But you know, to say we're just going to cut taxes, remember this is a government, you know, Sunak and Hunt, that put business taxes up, who are now saying we want to cut business taxes. Well, if you know what what's this yo-yoing all about i don't know what your thoughts on it is yeah i find it curious really where how the government can have on the one hand say that we're you know we're being very prudent with money because we don't want to fuel inflation um and you know we're being very careful about what we spend and then suddenly like i said it's almost like oh look what we found down the back of the sofa we didn't realize we had this um so now we can give you tax cuts it just it it, it really i my view is it treats the British public like fools. Um, the other thing, Jamie, is I've noticed, I saw in today's newspapers as well, is there the old Tory line of we're going to toughen up on um, benefits claimants, um, obviously the poorest people in society. And, and I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who fiddle the system, but it it does seem to be we're reverting to type, doesn't it? Election comes and suddenly we're going to start bullying the poorest in society tell them those middle class conservatives that we're doing something about those people that are taking your money oh and by the way we found a load of money down the back of the sofa that we're now going to give you in tax breaks to me this is um a sign of desperation because they very much are sort of um going back to old tory strategies in the past i think 
Oh no, totally. You know, cutting back on the on the benefits. This is something that Ian Duncan Smith started to try and do a few years ago. It's something they're going to continue to try and do. And and ultimately, James, they've got no grip on the public finances. The Tory party would normally seen as the party that would be prudent with the public finances, but they've overshot that. It's going to be even worse under you know the Labour Party, I would imagine. But all the polls are suggesting that that's pretty much where they're heading. Yeah. And let's talk about Labour a little bit, because Sakia Starmer says he wants to model the Labour Party on what um, what the Welsh Labour Party have done here in Wales. So let's talk about Mark Drayford, because I know that he's been a bit naughty over the past week, hasn't he? Tell us all about that, Jamie. Yeah, well, there's lots of talks with the COVID inquiry and WhatsApp correspondence. And in the, there was an exchange in the Welsh Parliament, the Senate, where Mark Drakeford said he didn't have any deletion arrangements on his phone because he didn't use WhatsApp. But he's been caught out with that because he's now said he doesn't use WhatsApp and he doesn't make any use of it. And and he's actually come back and said he is uh, using WhatsApp and, and the like. So a bit of a challenge there, James. Yeah, it is curious because he, he doesn't um, get stuck um, that often, does he, with, um, you know, with um, stuff. He, he There's not much scrutiny in the Welsh Parliament, if I'm, if I'm totally honest, from the Conservatives there. So he doesn't very often have to admit that he's wrong. But when you watch um, the clips of this, there's a clear clip of him one week saying that I don't even have WhatsApp. I've never used it. Um, and all of this. And then literally a week later, um, obviously, the Conservatives must have found some evidence showing that he has got WhatsApp and he has used it. And he's been forced um, into quite an embarrassing um, U-turn where he's had to just say yes, um, yes to both questions, which is I've got WhatsApp um, and I use it. So, um yeah, it's quite um, for Welsh politics where, like I said, Jamie, he doesn't come under much scrutiny. It is quite um, a, a big thing. I wonder if um, any more is going to come of it, though, because the Conservatives, are, uh, I think, are a lost cause in Wales, aren't they? Well, the challenge you've got, James, like you say, with the Welsh Conservatives is historically in Wales, for people who don't understand, you're Margaret Thatcher, closed all the mines. There's a lot of people who don't support the Tory party and they never will. And the Labour Party tend to get voted in all of the time. And the vast majority of people in Wales don't even vote. So are we going to get rid of the Labour Party in Wales? I don't think so. Yeah. And look, folks, I know that we know our elect electoral system is broken. But, you know, when you look at Wales, it's a good example. Like Jamie was saying, most people don't vote. Um, in the Welsh, um, the last Welsh elections just over a year ago, 47% of people came out, um, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And obviously, there's a lot of people that just are so disengaged with politics. Um, and all it would take was 10% of that 53% to come out and vote a different way. And we would have a totally different outcome. So, um, you know, um, it is the best we've got at the moment. We have got to fix it. But I don't think not voting is the answer. Um, Jamie, let's move on. Let's talk about another person which has misled the public, um, Sadiq Khan. Um, what's been going on with him over the past week? Well, it's pretty much out of the Labour playbook with what we were just talking about with Mark Drakeford and misleading people. We've kind of got ULES in London, which was brought in, and there was a huge numbers of adverts that were going on across the media on this, saying that basically ULES had halved nitrogen dioxide, and most of the air pollution-related deaths were in out of London. And, and what wasn't clear on the adverts when these were going out across the public is a lot of this information were based on models. And you know what models are like, James. We've talked in the past about COVID modelling. 
you can put garbage into a model and you're going to get garbage out. So the claims of the reduction in nitrogen dioxide and the deaths from air pollution were purely based on models, not actual data. Now, what's gone on here is some complaints have been made to the Advertising Standards Agency. And I believe the draft conclusions of these have been leaked, where the draft conclusion is that the adverts that were led out of the London mayor, Sadiq Khan and his administration, misled the public. Now, I believe they're going to refute, you know, come back and challenge that they didn't mislead the public. But that's the problem we've got with a lot of this stuff. They've introduced these cameras, you know, to try and capture a small number of cars across the society. It's quite clear these cameras are being introduced. It's ready for a charge in of a road scheme. You know, we're going to charge people to do per yeah. mile. That's going to come in, James. And that's the problem. Politicians challenge you know need challenge when they are putting out misleading claims and it's just totally bogus information sometimes and we've touched on this in the past if you really want to look at what the air pollution problems are in london you need to go on the underground and actually this war on the motorist is pushing more and more people down there you cannot make it up yeah i know and um as you said there you know we did learn an awful lot about modeling over the last three years and i think in the end it was really frustrating because the media um after a while just started talking about these modeled numbers as as facts and of course you know um jamie you would have seen the um you know the covid predictions and the death predictions they were astronomical i think some of the projections were that you know half a million people would die if we didn't lock down um in the end i don't think we did lock down and of course um not even a fraction of the number of people um actually ended up dying so yeah it is um it is very very worrying how um statistics are used today um but what are your thoughts on um on the blade runners um obviously you know we're not going to encourage people to break the law but i would say um that i think they're actually morally justified in this case because sadiq khan has lied to the public he bought the cameras um, before he even finished um, the public consultation, he gerrymandered the results from that. Um, what are your thoughts on the Blade Runners and what they're doing? Yeah, so I suppose the way we come in with the Blade Runners, James, is they obviously go around chopping down some of the cameras and, and the like. And so there are a lot of people angry about this policy. Now, if you go back to Wales, where again, it's under Labour administration under Mark Drakeford, we've had several polls done since the introduction of the 20 mile hour speed limit, which a lot of people are angry about there now i've seen some people spraying out the kind of road signs where some speed cameras are going up they've been chopping them down in other parts of the country not just in wales but i think the main thing people have got to remember is the point you just said earlier on is that the vast majority of people don't bother voting in these elections similar you get in london so i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the people who are angry about these policies didn't go out and vote the best way to go out and show your dissatisfaction with these public policies is to get out and vote these people out in the next election. That's ultimately what's going to lead to change. If, you know, in London, where we've had Ken Livingston for a while, and then we now got Sadiq Khan in Wales, which has been run by the Labour Party for 20 odd years, they just think they've got a free pass to get in. They'll do what the hell they like. So until the public respond and say, no, we don't want what you're offering, they will do more of it. So, James, I think the Blade Runners. Obviously, they've, they're trying to do their own cause, but I think the ballot box is ultimately where you need to solve these problems. Yeah, exactly. And to people who say, well, no, it's just a waste of time, it's all fixed. Yes, okay, we haven't got fair elections, definitely, I'd agree with that. But all you need to do is look at the Brexit referendum. You know, um, the establishment didn't 
for the life of them think that, that, that we would win that and we did they you know the fact that they didn't do any preparations at all for a leave vote um shows that they didn't think it was going to go that way and so when we all do come out of the word work and vote we can actually change things and of course drakeford did have that policy of 20 miles an hour on in, in their election campaign um which we saw 47 percent turnout so i think the lesson is, is there do go out and vote Right, Jamie, we've run out of time. Thank you so much. Um, look forward to you coming back again soon. My old colleague um, and friend, Jamie Jenkins from the office, well, former head of health analysis at the Office for National Statistics. Right, don't go anywhere because you'll, you're back, you'll be back with me in just a moment after this short break. So stay with us on TNT Radio. Mm-hmm.